Hey, welcome to the One Foot Down Podcast. This is Eric Murtaugh, and this is episode number 12 for the Arizona State Game Review. The Irish come away with a 37-34 win in Arlington, Texas for their fifth Shamrock Series victory um, down in AT&T Stadium, formerly known as Cowboy Stadium. Uh, with me today, I have Lars. Uh, Lars, how you doing? Doing good, Eric. We're trying to keep warm up here in Canada now that we're almost starting winter, but uh, otherwise life is good. Ah, oh, geez, starting winter already in Canada, that's pretty bad. It's been high 70s here in western New York. Yeah, we're, uh, we got snow up in the hills already, so it's it's going to be winter soon here. Yeah, you know it's coming. All right, so a big win for the Irish over the weekend. Um, myself included, I didn't think we would win this game. Um, I think one of the things we both were very worried about was the defense for Notre Dame um, taking on this multifaceted Arizona State offense, and it was probably the best effort of the season for the Irish defense. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I uh, I spent a lot of time watching Arizona State's offense uh, in preparation for um, the preview posts that I did, the OFD Films preview posts that I did, and, and I came away very impressed. Um, Arizona State does a lot of things really well offensively. I think schematically they're excellent, and, and they've got some very good players, and they do a great job getting those players in, in space. And the other thing I thought coming into the game was they just they were such a tough matchup for Notre Dame um, because the things that Arizona State likes to do um, is sort of Notre Dame's weaknesses. And uh, fortunately on Saturday night, in Notre Dame, <laughs> it was a, just a different performance from that defense. Um, I think probably the thing that the first thing that really stood out to me is how well we tackled. Um, Arizona State really tried hard to get that short passing game going, and and they did complete some passes. And I don't know that we had many missed tackles out in the open field, and I think that was absolutely huge. And uh, and that fed into I think Arizona State uh, trying to get a little more vertical in their passing game holding on to the ball a little longer, which allowed our pass rush to get to uh, to Taylor Kelly, and that was absolutely huge, obviously, especially in the fourth quarter. It was shades of the 2012 defense almost, don't you think? Yeah, very, very similar. It's uh, it's probably where the, the Fighting Irish defense should be, sort of um, a hybrid between what we've seen at the start of 2013 and what we saw in 2012. Um, still more man-to-man -man coverage uh, here in 2013 in the Arizona State game. Um, less blitzing, um, probably a little more effective when we blitz, but I think a uh, little more of an aggressive game plan, but a uh, little smarter in terms of we're not going to send our 250-pound linebackers on blitzes that aren't going to get there. We're going to ask them to disrupt crossers and those sorts of things and allow our, our defensive line to get pressure. And I thought it was a, a really well-done game plan. And then some nice looks in terms of coming up looking like we're blitzing and dropping off. So really nice job by the defensive coaching staff, I thought. So you're saying they're listening to uh, everything we're writing on the site. <laughs> I'm sh I'm sure they are. I actually, that's funny that you say that. I kind of looked at because I had done a little list of things that Notre Dame needed to do su to succeed, and uh, most of them we did. So you have to assume that uh, Diaco is uh, is well in tune to uh, to OFD, and of course as well he should be. <laughs> yeah, the the defense the defensive effort in this game. We'll get to it a little bit later here as we talk about the first half of football. Uh, as the season's half over, it almost changes the complexion of how we view the defense. Um, you know, this is probably 
one of the top two or three offenses that Notre Dame is going to face this year. And then when you throw in um, the, the, the notion that Notre Dame matches up well with pro-style offenses and not so much with uh, the Sun Devil offense, you know, that really kind of changes the way we view this defense, I thought. Yeah, I would I would agree with that completely. And, you know, I think we're all sort of waiting for one of these games where the oh. defense could put it together. And uh, we just couldn't seem to, for the first few games of the season here, we just never seemed to be in sync. And one part of the, the defense would be playing well, the other parts wouldn't be. And, and it was a night where they really played inspired football. And I think all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. So it was very nice to see. Yeah, we finally saw the defensive line come alive especially in the second half. Uh, it seemed like probably four, if not five, drives in a row. The defensive line was just dominating the line of scrimmage, harassing Taylor Kelly um, on almost all of his passing attempts. Like you said, it, it seemed like the, the Sun Devils were going um, for more of those medium to deep passes, and that was really helping the, uh, the Irish D linemen. What do you think of uh, the performance you saw out of Stefan Tuitt, um, who finally registered another sack. And uh, we can throw in Prince Shembo as well, who goes from zero sacks to three sacks with his uh, performance this weekend. Yeah, there was a, a couple things that I noticed, and I think you mentioned the first one is that Notre Dame did a good job of disrupting some of the short passing games, so uh, forcing uh, Kelly to hold on to the ball a little bit longer, so that helped. The other thing I saw is Notre Dame went back to last year's style where uh, they ran a lot more line stunts, and certainly Prince Shembo in particular out of the four-man front where uh, he makes that inside move, he runs that, that stunt exceptionally well and, and did a great job with it. Um, the other thing that I noticed from sort of a technical vantage point is where Notre, one of the places where Notre Dame has struggled this year with its, its pass rush is uh, not getting great push from the D tackles, either out of the you know either the nose tackle in the 30 front or the two um, defensive tackles in a 40 front. So what's been happening, especially on Tuit's side, is he's doing not a bad job of getting around the corner, but quarterbacks are able to step up and then slide to that same side and what our, our D tackles tend to do is kind of jump inside and it opens up a pretty big uh, seam. And I thought as the game progressed, our, our defensive tackles did a much better job of pushing straight back, staying disciplined, and uh, not really allowing the quarterback to feel comfortable stepping up in the pocket. And if he can't step up with uh, Tuit and Chembo coming off the edge, he's going to be in a lot of trouble, and, and we certainly saw that. Yeah, we saw Taylor Kelly run for, uh, I, don't, I don't know if he got a first down, but he the same thing you just described happened. He kind of slid away from pressure and then just had all day to run to the uh, the field side, picked up an easy 10 yards. But uh, they, they did clean that up in the in the second half especially. Did you see anything out of uh, Ishak and Schwenke? I thought on, on several plays, I thought they really brought a good effort. Um, on one play, Ishak just drove his man right into the quarterback, and I think that was on a key play late in the, late in the game. I was really pleased with the way they both played. Yeah, I, I remember that uh, that play that you're talking about with Ishak, and yeah, I thought they both played really well. Frankie's done a he's been one of those unsung here unsung heroes. He's done a really nice job for us this year, and and I really like the uh, the game of the way Ishak's play, and I think he he did a good job again. And and like you say, that one play in particular where he just drove his man back into the quarterback was a thing of beauty. And we should mention um, Sheldon Day didn't play again. I. I believe Brian Kelly said that he would probably be playing this past weekend, but it looks like they held him out again. Hopefully he gets healthy over the bye week. 
And also, at his Sunday press conference, he mentioned that Tewitt's a little banged up. He said his back locked up. I don't know if that meant during the game or maybe during practice this week leading up to the Arizona State game. So um, I think the rest is really going to do the defensive line a lot of uh, a lot of help here coming up. Yeah, it's it's huge, um, you know, because our depth isn't great at the defensive line, and and certainly Sheldon Day with those ankle sprains and those high ankle sprains, I'm I'm not surprised. They're funny injuries that way, and they can feel pretty good till you're, you know, when you're going 75, 80 percent. But when you try and get that last 15, 20 percent of explosion and all the dynamic movements you have to do. Um, it's it can be really difficult to get back to close to 100%. So, I mean, we've played some really tough, really physical games here the last few weeks, and so uh, it's definitely time for a break for these guys. I'm sure they're getting pretty beat up. So far as well as the defensive line played, um, you could probably make the case that the linebackers for the Irish played just as well, if not better. Um, specifically, Jalen Smith, the true freshman, five-star recruit, uh, basically showing his potential in this game. Um, I want to know what, what your other thoughts were with some of the other players. Obviously, Grace um, goes down with an injury, and that kind of leaves a hole. Um, maybe we'll talk about that as a as a second question here. What did you think about the linebacker play against Arizona State? Yeah, I really like the linebacker play, actually. We got a few big plays. I mean, Dan Fox with a, a fumble recovery and a big interception. Um, you know, and I thought as a group, they were very, very good. And like I wrote in the preview, this was the group that needed to step up, need to play well because they're going to be attacked. And uh, they're very good in the run game. Uh, and But more importantly, I thought they were excellent in the pass game. They showed good range. Uh, they tackled well in space. Um, you know, and Jalen Smith with his uh, physical abilities, he's a, he's a difference maker. He's still raw in terms of uh, technique and still makes mistakes, but he just has so much speed that uh, he's very, very difficult for offenses to contend with. So it was a really nice performance out of our linebackers, and I was really happy to see that. Did you see a lot of the base 3-4 defense, or did you see a lot of nickel? Um, I thought we saw a dime a few times, but I didn't really seem to think that we were doing anything radically different in terms of uh, scheme and stuff like that. No, I, I didn't see a huge amount of differences in terms of what we did. Some subtle differences... Um, you know, where we had sort of some zone blitzes and those types of things and uh, um, some different ways to disrupt the crossers. But really it was more just, and, and you know, I'll give Brian Kelly credit for this, it was more just Notre Dame doing the ordinary things well. They didn't go, uh, they didn't try and go crazy and, and run a totally new defense. It was pretty much what we've seen all year. Um, probably a little more nickel and a little more dime, but I, I couldn't tell you for sure. And uh, But mostly we just played our defense the way we can play it, and that was the difference. So as we said, Jarrett Grace um, breaks a bone in his leg. I think it was his tibia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he stays in Texas and has a rod inserted into, into his leg. Uh, Brian Kelly says he'll probably be out four to six months, so he's definitely on the shelf for the rest of the season. That's kind of a big blow um, for the defense as he was emerging as one of the leaders um, not just in terms of, uh, you know, leadership, uh, being a vocal leader, but also, you know, he was a leading tackler for the team so far this year, and uh, probably one of the players we really wanted to to finish this year strong and head into next year, really knowing that he's a rock in the in an in inside in that middle position. Uh, Lars, what do you what do you think about losing a player like Jarrett Grace and how that affects not only this year but possibly into next year? 
Yeah, very unfortunate injury, and you certainly feel uh, bad for, for Jarrett Grace. That's a horrible thing, and I'm sure it's not much fun sitting in a hospital in uh, in Texas right now, kind of wondering what the future holds. Um, so, uh, you know, short term, obviously it means, uh, you know, Calabrese and Fox are going to have to lead the way for us, and uh, we're definitely going to see um, Kendall Moore, which I think is going to be really exciting. I'm looking forward to seeing him. And, uh, you know, it may mean that some freshmen like uh, Deeb are forced to play, but uh, I think short term, you know, we should be able to get through it. Uh, it is a big loss. I thought Grace had improved significantly since the start of the year and uh, was starting to play some really, really good football for us. Uh, moving into next year, uh, it's, it's concerning. We're going to lose, you know, basically we're going to lose... Um, Fox, Calabrese, and we're going to have the only returning inside linebacker we're going to have with significant playing time uh, will be Grace, who's coming off a major, major injury, and, and who knows what level he's going to be able to play at. And even if he does come back close to, to full speed, he's not someone who's played a whole lot of football. I mean, we're really only talking about uh, five and a half games that he's played. So, you know, the inside linebacker position, we were worried about it before. It is a significant, significant issue now moving forward. Yeah, Brian Kelly did mention today that um, they might get deep some action. Uh, I believe he's still on track to redshirt, so um, I'll be interested to see if that's just a, a motivation technique, you know, just throwing his name out there, um, or if he actually gets some time. I don't know what that says about Kendall Moore. Like you said, you think he would be next man in right now. Um, I think you'd have to think, I don't know, just with the way we've seen Diaco play things in the past, that they're probably going to rely on Fox and Calabrese upwards of 90% of the time, 95% of the time, and non-garbage non minutes. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I think they'll definitely ride those two. And, uh, and they've played well, and in particular Calabrese, I think, is having an outstanding year by far his uh, his best year in a Fighting Irish uniform. So, uh, so you know, I think we can recover from this one, um, but the depth is razor, razor thin now at, at the linebacking position. So we don't really have a whole lot to say about the secondary. Is there anything you wanted to talk about there? Um, I think everyone would agree that the safety play is just still the obvious weakness on the defense. Uh, I thought the corners played pretty well. Russell made a couple of nice tackles in the game. Um, Jackson with a nice strip to cause a fumble. Um, but overall, I, I think this unit still has some uh, improving to do. I, I do like what the corners are doing, but the safety play, man, I don't know. What, what do you think about the, the secondary? Uh, I'd agree with you 100%. thought the corners did a nice job. And, uh, you know, Arizona State moved their best receiver to slot for a good portion of the game so they could get that matchup with the safeties and... Uh, you know, I, I'm still surprised that we haven't seen Max Redfield yet. I, you know, I just watch what, you know, the safeties that we have playing and I'm wondering how he can't beat them out or how he's not ready to play at that level. So that surprises me, even if it's just a matter of locking him up one-on-one -on -one with a receiver and kind of letting him go. But uh, um, I guess we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, the safety play is, is still worrisome. And in particular, um, in-man coverage, they're still not great, like, Collingsworth on the uh, that touchdown uh, late in the first half on uh, fourth down. Yep. I mean, you watch him and he 
the slightest move and he jumps outside instantly and you just I mean we've talked about this a million times you cannot give up the inside and in zero coverage like that I think it was zero coverage anyways um, just you know it's just basic fundamental football yeah I was wondering what the the defensive play call was there it didn't seem like a very smart move I guess you know we kind of lament the fact that they don't play press coverage a whole lot and they stay back but in that situation man he just you can't you can't get beat like that. Although I will say, um, Brian Kelly did mention again today. Uh, I don't know if it's the reporters are just egging him on and keep asking him, but he did say Redfield's getting pretty close to to playing, and I think he mentioned something to the fact that you know he have to be a quarterback back there. It's not just you know run with one guy. So um, I I think we'll probably see him come into the lineup here in the second half of the season. I, I hope hope so. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a number of those freshmen who are kind of knocking on the door, getting a little more playing time here in the second half, particularly with the bye week where there's an opportunity to kind of step back and, and get them some more reps and, and spend a little more time working with them. All right, so we'll switch sides of the ball here. Um, we were talking before we went on air about the offensive play calling a little bit, and I mentioned how... You know, when you watch the games a second time through on a Sunday after you kind of know how everything's played out, that the play calling never really seems as bad as it did in the moment. Um, a lot of talk about the empty sets, and we both kind of agreed about several play calls in the middle of the game that we just thought were really, really, really bad. Um, and I know you have expressed some disdain on the site for some of the stuff that went on with the offense. Uh, just give me your overall take on what you thought, and I, I think I'll inject some of my thoughts in there as well. Yeah, sounds good. And, and you know, I mean, it's it's always difficult to criticize play calling because, you know, I know I've, I've called plays in games and certainly haven't had to do it in front of, you know, close to 70,000 people and a few million people watching on uh, television. But play calling is a hard thing, and, you know, it's a lot easier when you're sitting behind a keyboard or watching on a TV or sitting in the stands. I've never made a bad call from the stands. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think there was some things, there was a part of the game there that I was really disappointed in the play calling. And it all started when uh, TJ Jones got that um, big punt return. And we were, this was our opportunity to really seize momentum and take this game over. And, you know, it's not like we get a whole bunch of punt returns um, that put us into the the opposition's territory. So I really felt this was, as a coach, this is where, you know, you got, maybe you got a few plays saved or this is where you got to call your, your best plays. And we come out and run a bunch of empty and go three and out. And it just really frustrated me. And then we get a big turnover from, from Bennett Jackson. And again, we haven't had a huge number of turnovers this year. And again, it's another chance for us to kind of put a stake and we come out and empty, um, I think two plays in a row. Uh, second one was a touchdown, um, you know, but I'm not sure that that touchdown was the result of us going into empty. I think uh, Tommy kind of scrambled for his life and then threw up a bit of a prayer and let Nicholas go make a play. And then, uh, you know, then we come out the next series and, and we, uh, again, opportunity to really take momentum and we do run the ball a couple times and then we go into an empty and throw a pick six. And, you know, I think a lot of us have expressed some front frustration with the empty package. Um, 
there's good reasons to run empty and it can get your athletes out in space and it does make it easier for the quarterbacks to make reads and those sorts of things. Just, you know, and I've said, I said this on the site, you know, when I used to game plan as a defensive coordinator, we spent hours watching films so we could simplify what the other team was doing. We could simplify their offense. So what I mean by that is we wanted to make things predictable. If we knew in a certain formation they liked to run a certain play, that was to our advantage, and their kids could just play fast. And, and that's what we wanted to do is we didn't want them thinking, oh, is it going to be run? Is it going to be pass? Is it going to be this play or this play? We wanted to narrow down those choices so they knew it was going to be run. There's a good chance it's going to be run to the outside, and they can just play fast and aggressive. And uh, when you go into an empty set, that's what happens. You're basically, if you go into an empty set with Tommy Reese, you are telling the other team you're passing the ball. So right there, it's easier for the defense to play. Um, there's no concern for them about run. They can just worry about the pass. The D-line can pin their ears back. The secondary can play a whole variety of coverages. Uh, linebackers can blitz or drop. There's a whole number of things that you do. So I, I just, I don't know... Uh, empties a, can be a good thing. I just feel like we use that tactic too much, and I think we're. I don't think it plays to Tommy's strengths necessarily, particularly his physical strengths, maybe his ability to read defenses, but certainly not his physical strengths. And uh, again, I think we're, you know, especially when we run empty on a third and four play or something like that, we work so hard to get those six yards, and now we're in a real good spot where the defense has to honor the run and the pass, puts them in a real bind. And then we come out and empty, and all that work that we did is gone because everybody knows that we're going to pass. Yeah, I was kind of charting the empty, the empty sets today uh, upon rewatching the game. Um, so Reese threw the ball. Let me make sure I have my stats here. Uh, he threw the ball 38 times, and he was in an empty set 20 times. Now, I mean, that does seem like a lot, um, but seven of those came on the fifth drive right before the end of the first half when they scored a touchdown. Right. So you take those away, it didn't really seem like a ton of empty sets, but still you probably don't want as many as, as uh, you know, 20 and then take some of those away. Um, I would echo a lot of your thoughts. I thought um, too many empty sets. Um, that eighth, eighth drive, which you just mentioned, was uh, immediately after the TJ Jones punt return and uh, the Irish pass on first down and then they do two empty sets, and they punt the ball in Sun Devil territory from the 43-yard line. I had a few other um, drives that I thought were pretty maddening as well. The, the third drive, and this is something that seems to keep popping up with Brian Kelly. It's the third drive of the game. Um, Arizona's up 3-0. It's third and 11 from the Sun Devil 38. So you're basically in Kyle Brinza's field goal range. And I just don't know why they don't ever try to run the ball and, and possibly set up an easier field goal or even a fourth down opportunity. So in that situation, they uh, went to an empty set, and it was another incompletion. Um, I already mentioned the eighth drive. Uh, the 10th drive, again, third and, 20, third and 10 from the Irish 25. And um, this is ultimately where uh, Tom Maurice throws his pick six. Um, we discussed a little bit before we came on here. We thought maybe playing that really conservative would have been a lot better in that situation. And I think the other controversial play call for the game was on the last drive, on the 13th drive of the game. Uh, the Irish nursing that three-point lead. It's third and nine from the Sun Devil 49, and they try another one of those 
passes down the sideline that isn't even catchable. So, you know, I thought all, all four of those plays um, were pretty, pretty maddening. I, I thought overall it was an okay game plan. Um, you know, you could see at times Kelly was trying to establish the run, but like you said, in, in, in the middle part of that game, it just didn't really seem to stick with it when I thought they really should have. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, you know, for me, it's not even the number of empty sets or the number of passes. It's just those critical times. And I think after the pick six, you'll see, you know, Notre Dame got back to running the football and, and put together a couple nice drives that maybe didn't necessarily end in touchdowns. But uh, but certainly they got more balanced, and, and that's what you want to see out of, out of the fighting Irish. So, you know, it's really about these critical times, and I'm just not sure when when... You know, we're looking at a big momentum swing, and we're looking to put dagger in in a team. I'm not sure empty set with Tommy Reese is is the best way to get that dagger in there. Yeah, you know, I was looking at the first drive, and that was such a such a crazy drive, and it was kind of exactly what we thought or what we wanted to see from the offense. Um, it was a long drive too. They went run, run, pass out of empty, which is the only one in that whole drive. Another pass, three straight runs. Uh, Hendricks picking up that fourth down conversion, and then they go pass, and then finish the uh, the drive up with five straight runs. They actually ran the ball on third on five, third and five. They didn't get the first down, but um, I was actually kind of happy that they actually ran the ball in a third and five situation, even though they didn't convert. Um, let's let's move on here and talk a little bit about uh, the identity with the offense. Uh, this is another big topic everyone seems to be talking about. Um, what is the identity for the Notre Dame offense? Are we uh, obviously, it kind of seems like they're pass first, um, definitely in crunch time. Would you agree with that? It's, depending on the game plan, they, it seems like they want to establish the run, but in certain situations, it almost seems like Kelly will panic and go to that pass. Yeah, I think in his heart of hearts, that's who Brian Kelly is as a coach. And, and everybody who coaches has sort of a default setting and, and you know a set of plays, a concept, a way that is things that they're comfortable with and there's no question Brian Kelly will tell you that he's ran all these different offenses but the reality is when it comes down to crunch time you know Brian Kelly is an aggressive pass first coach I, I think that's just the reality and you know in 2012 he sort of curbed those tendencies because he knew he had to but uh, you heard him at the end of the Michigan State game talking about how desperately he wanted to pass and and didn't so you know that's just Brian Kelly's DNA and it's just the way the way he is uh, in terms of our identity I I joke but I, it's I think it's kind of true I call us a, a spread offense team without spread offense personnel and uh, we really are that to a degree um, you know and I, I think no other position on the offense illustrates that more clearly than the slot position um, you know we I'm still not sure what we're trying to do with that slot position um, but it's certainly not what you see other spread teams run, that's for sure. Yeah, and, you know, it's hard to talk about this topic without really getting into the quarterback and still having Tommy Reese back there. I think one of the big things I always talk about in terms of the identity and the offense is we seem to break out certain packages. For example, we'll see Hendricks play a lot against Oklahoma, and then he won't play for the rest of the season, for example. Or, like against Arizona State, we saw a lot of H-backs. Um, I think we saw a lot of Koyak um, motioning over and stuff like that. And that's something that we just haven't seen a whole lot of this year. I don't know why we just don't 
stick with an identity and just stick with that the whole season. I, I just think that really hampers the, the development of the offense, and you just can't pin all that on Tommy Reese. Um, you know, and then looking at the this past Saturday's game, there's seven penalties by the offensive line. I, I can't help but think that, you know, their, their brains are a little bit scrambled just because there's not a great identity on offense. Yeah, I, I agree with you on all those points. And certainly, you know, Tommy Reese, I, I like Tommy Reese. Um, you know, he frustrates me at times. He's sort of, he's pretty simple. He's, you know, he kind of personifies this team in terms of at times he'll look just awesome and at other times he'll just, you just can't believe he's making the plays that he's making because they just look so awful. And, and so he's just inconsistent like the rest of the team. Um but there's no question we suffer from a lack of identity. And, you know, I think just the personnel that we have don't quite fit Brian Kelly's identity right now. Um, Tommy Reese is not his ideal quarterback. Um, you know, he's probably never had tight ends like uh, Koyak and uh, Nicholas. So, I mean, I think, you know, I think probably last few years our identity has almost started with that, with the tight end and, and the offensive line. And So, yeah, I'm not sure what the identity is and, and hopefully they can get it sorted out over the bye week. Yeah, I think next year we'll really kind of see exactly what direction uh, Kelly's going in with the offense. Hopefully Golson comes back and, you know, got dual-threat quarterbacks waiting in the wings that are going to be getting more experience in the coming years. Um, so the Irish are 4-2 and two now, heading into their bye week. They finally get a bye. It seems like everyone else in the country has already had a week off. Um, They'll have some injuries taken care of. Um, like we said, it and Day will be guys that are probably going to take this week off and practice very little. What are your thoughts, Lars, of uh, how, what we've seen out of this team through six weeks as the season's halfway over? Um, you know, the first word that comes to mind is inconsistent. I think that's sort of defined our season so far, and, and certainly we saw a lot of that in the Arizona State game as well. Uh, it was a very inconsistent perform, or very inconsistent performance from the offense. Um, you know, you look at special teams, we miss an early field goal, and then we kick a 52 or 53-yarder. And and so that's kind of been, we've, we've definitely shown flashes. I think now you could probably make the argument that, Every major part of our team has, at some point this year, shown that they can play at a pretty high level. Um, you know, I, I think previous to this game, I don't think our linebackers and secondary had had proven that. Um, I think after this game, you could probably make an argument that that they can. They look like they can play at a pretty high level. At you know, against Oklahoma, the run game looked like it could play at a pretty high level. At times, the passing game has looked pretty good. Um, so, you know, it's a team that if we ever put it all together, we could be pretty good. But um, we've yet to do it, and, and that's got to be frustrating for the coaching staff, and I know it's it's frustrating for the fans as well. Yeah, it seems like this was very an up-and-down first half of the season. Like you said, a lot of inconsistency. Um, but as you were saying that, I, I kind of thought, you know, we, we, we found our level, I thought. Um, Four and two after the six games is kind of where I was thinking we would be. Um, you know, like you said, we're, we're seeing flashes at times, uh, probably everywhere except for safety. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think we found our level a little bit. I think we kind of know what we have. I think the defense showed against Arizona State 
that they still have that potential to really play well, and uh, I don't think they can carry the team quite like they could last year, but um, I think this is one of the games where they really kind of made a statement and said, we're the better side of the ball, and um, I think that's kind of a, a good feeling heading into the, to the second half of the season. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely, and I think they needed to make that statement because I think if you look at the players that they have, that we have particularly on the defensive line, we should be, they should be stepping up and they should be taking games over and they should be dominating at times and imposing their will. So, yeah, it was nice to see that and I think that's, uh, um, you know, it bodes well for the second half of the season and, and definitely we needed to play better defensively because, you know, offensively we're not going to go out there and score 40, 50 points a game. It's just not in our makeup. So the defense needed to play better, and they did. So we got six games left here uh, in the 2013 season. Um, six, possibly seven games left in the Tommy Reese era. We have a bye week this week, um, and then the Trojans coming to town with their new head coach, or interim head coach, I should say. Um, do you think they can run the table uh, all the way to the Stanford game, or do you think they might drop one before then? Whew. That's always tough to say with this team. Um, we're going to be in tough at some point. We, you know, we won't play. There'll be a letdown at some point, and we won't play up to par. So um, definitely, you know, there's games that are losable going into um, going into the Stanford game. I mean, BYU obviously stands out, but you take a look at Pitt and USC, and those are potential games. I know USC is down right now, but there's lots of talent there. That's a big rivalry, and uh, so, yeah, the, the potential is there. I think, you know, I hope, um, you know, I'm going on a little bit of a limb, and with this team, you never know, but I, I think there's a very good chance that we come into that Stanford game um, sitting at, uh, what would we be, 9-2. and two. Yeah, and I think uh, the upcoming game against USC is going to be huge. I believe they haven't beaten the Trojans since 2001 at home. Um, that alone, I think, would be just really big for the for this team, for the program, and for the fans. You know, this hasn't really been a great season for us fans. Um, a lot of bickering, a lot of fighting, a lot of questions, a lot of head scratching. And I think if you can get past the Trojans sitting at five and two with a couple of service academies coming up, I think that's really. I don't. I wouldn't say it's going to turn the season around because. Um, you know, losing two games early isn't really ever the plan, but I think it can really, um, you know, make make everyone look forward to the the second half of this season here, and you know, possibly giving Stanford a good game. I I would agree with you. I think that Pitt game is going to be a little bit more tricky than most people maybe think, especially coming off uh, a couple games against service academies, maybe maybe some adjustment level to, you know, some bigger, stronger players. Um, that's going to be at Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. You know, notoriously a terrible field. Their grass is always torn up. It could be snowing. It could be raining. Um, so that's always a, a tricky game. But, you know, as I'm sitting here right now, I think this is definitely a team that, that can be heading to Palo Alto at 9-2. and two. So um, uh, I think we'll wrap things up with that. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, Lars, before we get out of here? No, I think that's good. I think we got it all covered, Eric. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're trying to keep these podcasts a little bit shorter. Um, I think this one is about 40 minutes, if not uh, a little bit less than that. So uh, I want to urge people to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, uh, leave comments 
uh, and reviews on iTunes and uh, you know make comments on the site and uh, we will see you next week. Um, we'll ha- having a bye week. Maybe we'll have a special guest. Who knows what's going to happen. Um, and then we have the Trojans coming into South Bend in a couple weeks for another night game. So um, on behalf of Lars, this is Eric, and we will see you later. Go Irish.